Okay, we are live, but we're letting it breathe just for a moment. Hang tight. It's going to be okay. Hold your horses. Your football priests are here, but we got to bring on Facebook. We got to get the entire congregation under one roof. And it looks like we're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, my fellow football priest and the deputy editor of milehighhuddle.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, yesterday there were some conflicting reports about what did or didn't happen relative to Drew Locke maybe getting pulled and perhaps Pat Shermer losing his patience. Regardless of whatever happened yesterday, we know today Drew looked good. He was sharp. So what's what's your kind of reaction to just the last couple of days? You know, Because they came back from Minnesota, rest day Sunday, Monday was a walkthrough, and then Tuesday, Wednesday they got back to business. Well, I want to start with the conflicting reports of Drew Locke being pulled from practice. I think that was a bit of an exaggeration. He wasn't pulled, as it was explained today. Uh, Drew Locke even said it himself. He went over to Pat Shermer, and they just uh, – I think he went past his allotment of passing reps, and I think he just – he lost count of what he was supposed to do. It wasn't an indictment on his performance. It wasn't him being replaced. That was made a mountain out of a tiny little molehill there. So that's – you know, that's always the case with Drew Locke. I, the biggest thing I take to this, Chad, you know, I'm watching what the Broncos say after practice, not necessarily what happens during practice. And Vic Fangio today, he went from saying on Saturday there's been no separation, and then he loosened up a couple days ago and said it's possible he might name a starter, and then now he's saying he's pretty damn close to naming a starter, but the caveat here is more information coming. I take that to mean two things. Either he wants to see Locke do it one more time for the second week in a row, and then he'll name him the starter, or he wants Bridgewater. This is his last chance to wow him, or else his mind is made up and he'll go with Drew going forward. I don't know how else you interpret those comments, but I just think it's a big about face from where Vic Fangio was before. Even Steven, absolutely still 50-50, no decision, and now he's pretty damn close with no game played in between those points, just the one game to fall back on. Do you buy the rumor that uh, we have addressed on the show, I think it was night before last, uh, that uh, the coaches, Vic Fangio, Pat Shermer, Mike Shula, they've thrown in wanting Teddy Bridgewater, <clears throat> pardon me, the you know consistent kind of know-what-you're-going-to-get canned veteran. And meanwhile, you got the execs like George Payton, John Elway, campaigning for Drew Locke. That's the stage, and then to to add a little bit more context, Peyton, having already gone on record multiple times, is saying <clears throat> the ultimate decision is going to be Vic Fangio's. I, I don't buy the, the rumor that there's favoritism going on or divisions or camps taking place inside Broncos headquarters. I think they're letting the best the quarterbacks play their best brand of football this preseason, and they're judging them on those merits. And through one preseason game, if they want to see the games, if they, if those are the barometers as opposed to practice, then Drew Locke won that round. So again, I'm interpreting what Fangio said after practice today when he said he's pretty damn close and he just wants to see more information. That would mean one more preseason game. And then one way or the other, Chad, name the starter by Sunday, Monday latest, and then get the, the starting quarterback continuity reps all practice week with the first stringers get him a few snaps in the preseason finale, and then get ready for week one with the quarterback competition behind all of us. Real quick, we're going to pick Luke Patterson's brain. He was at practice yesterday. He was there again today. Uh, real quick, I just want to catch up on one or two supers, and then we're going to grab Luke. Andrew Marl, thank you for that, my friend. He says, go Broncos. 
Did y'all get my email? No. Where'd you send it? Uh, the email address, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. Remember, uh, two H's right, right next to each other. Mile high, high ends with an H. Huddle starts with an H. I've noticed oftentimes in, in the past, people miss that, and it's only one H. So maybe that was what happened. But thank you for that super chat, my friend. Uh, one more, and then we're going to grab Luke. Uh, BNS, longtime superstar. What's going on, buddy? He says, cooking crow pie for the horse. Hashtag all pro bowls. Yeah, bowls continuing to, um, well, I mean, you know, we haven't really got to see him yet outside of practice, what he looks like, because they sat him in the first preseason game. But, hey, Zach, he got uh, ranking on the top 100 list. And you know what? If you would have said, hey, guess what? In your wildest dreams, would you imagine Garrett Bowles a year from now? You know, if you were if we're sitting here August 2020 and you say a year from now, Garrett Bowles is going to be featured on the NFL's top 100 list. Would you have bought that? No, I also wouldn't have bought my own words a couple weeks ago when I said the one constant, the one thing we can count on the Broncos offensive line is Garrett Bowles. I do like what uh, Bradley Chubb had to say about him and the brawl he got into. Uh, he was saying they're brothers. It was very cliche, very platitudinal, but he also said he regarded Garrett Bowles as one of the best left tackles in the NFL, and he said he wants to be one of the better edge rushers in the NFL, and going against them, each other will make iron sharpen iron. So um, I, I like, I love where they are with Garrett Bowles. I wish they can get a little more, hopefully the same level of consistency out of whoever they start at right tackle. Looks like Bobby Massey right now. If they have the edges protected, they're going to be in good shape. Real quick, last thing, and then we're grabbing Luke. Just want to remind everybody where we're at on our Facebook goals. We're trying to get to 250 supporters aka subscribers we're at 105 as you can see here on screen we are 42 percent complete to our goal of 250 so those of you watching right now on facebook if you like what you see you want to help support what we're doing here at mhh and you want to get access to our members only facebook members only premium podcast content become a supporter click that big blue button at the top of our page or right now at the bottom in the chat there's a little green icon you can click to sign up and then of course as you guys know we have set the goal of trying to reach 500,000 stars on Facebook. When we set or hit the goal, we are raffling off not only a Von Miller jersey, but we're also going to raffle off a nice little MHH gift that's going to feature all your favorite podcast hosts, whether it's a man cave or a fan cave. It's going to be a nice little, we'll just say, memento, all right, keepsake to have in a, in a place like that. You're going to love it. As you can see, Zach, when we left, I think we we're 39%, if I'm not mistaken, on uh, the last podcast on Monday night. Here we are at 44. And here's your leaderboard. Why does this matter? The people who star the most are going to have the most tickets in the hat. Remember, Look it's a wrap. So, Zach, Zeus at the top. Baller. I mean, by more than double. Michael has moved into number two. Holy smokes, dude. That is rad. Thanks, Michael. Howie freaking day. In three, I mean, we're seeing like a power shift here on the top 10 and the top five, I should say. Uh, Travis Weber still in the top five. Andrew Lampy five. Gary Leeds Palmer, the legend himself at six. Travis Tarbox at seven. Sean Miller, eight. Andrew Baker, nine. Claude Riley, 10. And then I'll just let you guys see who's barely outside. Randy, Pete, Zebulon, Butch, Alexander. So we'll spend more time on this later. Luke's a busy man. Let's get him on the horn. Luke Patterson. What's going on? Co-host Mile High Insiders podcast every Saturday night on YouTube, on Facebook, here at Mile High Huddle. Luke, you've been at the practices. Before we get into all that, what's good, dude? How are you? Doing good, man. I'm glad to uh, be with you guys. It's been a minute since I've been on Huddle Up, but 
I'm happy to report I'm on the Huddle Up podcast tonight after a good Broncos practice. That thing yesterday, I'm not sure what that was. It was the most abysmal football thing I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely no energy. No one played well. Uh, absolutely terrible. So Broncos country, do not despair. Today was a good day. Instead of going straight to the whole, tell us what really happened with Drew, with Shermer, <laughs> after the team went to great lengths today to rebut the notion that he was yeah. cold or that there was any altercation, I want to first actually pick your brain, Luke, on your article covering what Jake Plummer had to say after he was on site on Tuesday for day 15 of training camp and was part of the team site broadcast, right? He's sitting there through the whole deal, and he told – um friends uh nick ferguson cecil lammy on their radio show nick and cecil every weeknight on 104.3 the fan in denver basically that it was lackluster as you've been saying lackadaisical where's the discipline where's the accountability and he basically said look leaders need to step up here and call each other out if i would have been uh you know making the type of mistakes i was seeing yesterday rod smith would have said something right and that rang true yeah, it's all about found, finding accountability on this team, and it made me feel really good to hear that from Jake Plummer. Um, often joke, often with friends, I didn't appreciate Jake Plummer the way I should have when he was a quarterback here for the Denver Broncos. I didn't know we would be in a drought uh, as long as the Broncos have been, but Jake Plummer's um, ringing endorsement of the team really came through for me. He didn't want to take shots at the guys. He said, I've got their back. They are working hard, but... He definitely mentioned it was not the same type of hard work that he used to uh, put in with Mike Shanahan in those good old golden days of the mid-2000s. So uh, Jake Plummer did put his nose right where it needed to be, and that's with the dirt of leadership on this team. There's no leadership. No one wants to talk about it. Everyone wants to say, yeah, John Elway's on vacation. He's having a good time. George Payton's the new leader. Not really. George Payton's trying to figure things out. You've got a head coach that's disconnected from offense and special teams. Who is the leader of this team? Uh, people are quick to say Von Miller. Uh, I would be quick to debate that because why, while I believe Von Miller is the most popular player and certainly one of the most talented on this team, he's not that leader that we've always wanted him to be. He's not DeMarcus Ware. Others would say Justin Simmons. He's not quite that rah-rah guy either. Uh, he's certainly respected in the locker room. Shelby Harris, perhaps. His voice definitely carries weight in that locker room. Garrett Bowles. I heard Zach talking about his little dust-up with Bradley Chubb. I think he's trying to... Um, exercise a little bit of leadership, but it's all about accountability, fellas. And that's been one of the most frustrating aspects of covering Broncos camp in 2021. Well, well Luke, you know, even Vic Fangio admitted yesterday the practice was lethargic. They weren't catching. They weren't blocking well. They weren't doing anything really overly well yesterday. Could have been a little malaise setting in after the preseason game. You mentioned it was different today. Tell us how it was different. Was there more energy? Was it palpable? How, how was it in your eyes? Yeah, well, one of the things the snake told us last night on uh, the Denver airwaves is that he was tired of seeing guys walking from drill to drill. That's the first thing I noticed today. Guys were running drill to drill. Guys weren't just sitting on their butt. Guys weren't sitting on their helmet. Those little things that I've been nitpicking, the get off my grass lawn moment 
old man moment. It matters. Those little things matter, especially when you're a losing football team. So a sense of urgency, Zach, is the first thing I noticed about today from all the players. But more importantly, Drew Locke. I think Drew Locke came out with something to prove today. He had an awful day yesterday, and we can blame it on poor comms. We can blame it on the script. We can blame it on whatever. But the fact of the matter is the man got pulled. And bottom line, it's okay that there's some spin going on with Drew Locke. That tells us what? The Broncos care about Drew Locke. They've invested in Drew Locke a little bit. They've certainly put time in the second round draft pick. So uh, that's not a bad a bad problem to have, really, with Drew Locke when you're like, oh, what was the issue to yesterday? doesn't matter. Today he cleaned it up. He went through his reads. He got rid of the ball quick. I loved his three- to five-step drops from under center. He had full command of the offense today. Teddy Bridgewater? Not so much. Uh, he did throw an interception to Justin Simmons in the middle of the field. Justin Simmons is just wrecking practice these days, guys. He's almost averaging a pick every other day. He did get two interceptions today. Got another one from Brett Rippon as well. So, uh, Teddy, another ho-hum day. But Drew Locke, he definitely sent a message to the coaches saying, look, that was a bad day. It's not who I'm going to be in 2021. Real quick, Luke, I want to just, before the stream jumps him, shout out to Gerald Hendy. Thank you for the stars, my friend. Appreciate your support on Facebook. You know this. He says, hopefully Drew wins this. This is why Teddy was brought in, to push Drew to become better or to start if Drew showed no improvement. Locke's shown maturity and improvement. So let's hope Drew is the starter or it will be a boring losing season with Teddy. Thank you again, Gerald. That's one thing I'll concur with on Gerald is today, hearing Drew Locke at the podium. Now, you know, listen, Luke's sitting here telling us he was their eyeball witness, right? And in that court of law, that means something, right? If you're an eyeball witness, that's tangible evidence to, to something that did or did not happen. And your interpretation was that Drew Locke was pulled, that Pat Shermer was a little fired up about it. And then shortly thereafter, he was put right back in. Well, the team goes into whether it was true or not, uh, a kind of PR spin mode today whether it was from certain mouthpieces in Denver media or from the team itself, including Drew saying, no, that's not what happened. Here's what happened. But in that moment, Luke, at the podium today, I recognized in a, in Drew Locke a significantly more buttoned up, significantly more mature type of quarterback. And I thought it was really interesting when he started talking about uh, how this competition has affected him between the years, right? He's never had to really sing for his supper. The strength of that arm has always you know, paid the bills for him, and he's never really been tested or questioned on that. He's had to justify it, but he's never really had to compete. And this is a new experience to him, and he admitted today that it has plumbed the depths of his, for lack of a better term, I'll call it his football soul, his wherewithal as a quarterback that he maybe didn't know he had there to plumb, right? And so that was encouraging to me. Are you seeing signs of maturity out of Drew on the field? You bet. And it started last Saturday against the Minnesota Vikings. Obviously, Pat Shermer called a very strong game to each quarterback's strengths. But one of the biggest takeaways I take from that Minnesota game was Drew Locke on the sidelines, studying with Teddy Bridgewater when Teddy was in the game. Uh, he was very serious and locked in. I thought it was hilarious that he didn't know Steve Levy's name. Uh, but you're seeing a mature player. You're seeing a grown man. You're not seeing that kid with swag. 
you're starting to see a young quarterback with confidence. Now, a young quarterback with confidence can definitely get you wins in the NFL, but how do they continue to build confidence? Well, it starts by having back-to-back days of practice. Now, tomorrow's going to be a walkthrough, most likely, with the team set to head out, I think, on Friday to Seattle to play the Seahawks Saturday night. So I do anticipate a lighter workday, if you will. And I know that bothers a lot of people. It bothers me too, because when we're when players are there, I want them to be working. And it's just not the old NFL that we all grew up watching, Chad and Zach. It's just, it's a different time. Um, I don't know if the Broncos are trying to be a bridge team this year to figure out the quarterback position if it doesn't work out with either guy, Teddy or Drew Locke. But right now, I'm expecting Drew Locke to have a good game on Saturday. I really am. Uh, I'm not so sure about Teddy. I'm a little interested to see if he's going to flip this switch that he just has never really had in all of his career. He's been the safe check down guy, but you know what? If you've got dynamic wide receivers and you can get the ball to him, they can do things. He might need some help from some guys Saturday night because Seattle is not Minnesota. They have not had a whole week to practice against the Seahawks. So I'm really curious to see how Drew Locke plays as well, but you can definitely see confidence guys. And I'm so glad to finally report confidence enough with swag. Swag doesn't do anything. Swag I get you on Colin Cowherd. Confidence wins your football games. Uh, um, Luke, I have two questions real quick uh, for you if you got time for us. Of course. I'm not here. I'm not going to dispute you using the word pulled or your interpretation of that. That's You were had eyes on the ground. I didn't. So that's that was your way of looking at it. I just want to know genuinely and curiously, what made you come to that conclusion with Drew Locke and Pat Shermer? What did you see when you were watching practice that led you to believe that there was some disconnect and something that Drew Locke did wrong. That's the first question. I'll get to my second in a second. Oh, I like it. A follow-up. So, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those deals where I can't describe said play per Broncos policies, but I can tell you that Drew Locke, during one rep, held on to the ball for approximately six, five to six seconds, way too long. They usually have been whistling those plays dead. Um, I would mark that as a sack in my notes, but yesterday they didn't. They let it go on, and Drew ultimately checked down to a running back, and it was just way too late. It was really sloppy. It was really off-putting. Uh, just didn't look good at all, and it was the theme of the day. Kind of felt like that was the icing on the cake for Drew in that moment. So, what made me say and what made me write and tell Chad right away Drew got pulled? Well, my own two eyes. Pulled, substituted, whatever you want to say. Teddy Bridgewater's tapping him on the shoulder saying, hey, man, I'm in. You're out. Go talk to coach. Well, Drew Locke goes and talks to Pat Shermer. And it seemed like they were arguing. It didn't seem like they were pissed at each other. Nothing. There's no conflict there. But it seemed like they were arguing about concept. There was some sort of frustration. What do we know about communication? Body language is 75% of it, right? So I'm seeing Drew Locke using his hands. I'm seeing Pat Shermer using his hands. So they were obviously arguing about something. And then when you listen to Drew Locke, a mature Drew Locke that Chad added earlier in the press conference today, he didn't talk about communication problems. Uh, I, I found that to be interesting. He did talk a little bit about the script, but he kind of laughed it off. I think it was DMAC that asked the question, but that was a question that should have been asked yesterday to head coach Vic Fangio. And if I had the chance, I would have loved to ask it, but who knows? Coach could have said, I need to go look at the tape on that one. You never know what you're going to get from Vic. It'll be really curious to see um, if that question is asked to Pat Shermer tomorrow. So from my point of view, I heard some things, I saw some things, and I saw a coach and a player that just seemed frustrated over one play. 
And my second question was, uh, you know, Fangio admitted today that he's pretty damn close to reaching a decision on the quarterback competition. And my way of looking at that, like I opened the show today, it, that his leap from it's still even Steven, still 50-50, and now a few days later he's almost reaching a decision with only one game played in between. I look at that like Locke has to just cement it with another consistent performance or Bridgewater has to do something spectacular to overtake Locke or else Locke's going to be the guy. It, Luke, in your mind, is there any other way to, to look at those comments? No, it's so hard to try to interpret Vic Fangio and what he's going to do because you just don't know who he is as a head coach. You know he's a defensive coordinator, but because he's so disconnected from the offense, does that mean he's going to lean on Pat Shermer to make this decision? Is it going to be a team effort? I don't ever – I can't ever recall a championship roster that did things based off of a Democratic vote with coaches. So that's there's something to be said there. In my bones, I feel like Vic Fangio wants Teddy Bridgewater. I think he wanted Teddy Bridgewater after last Saturday – and then he saw Teddy's performance this week. Drew had one bad day. Teddy's had a couple bad days now. Um, so you're starting to see it switch. And I think Vic Fangio is going to be reluctant, but he's got to come around. Otherwise, he knows he could potentially lose this team. If the team knows that the ceiling with Drew Locke is higher, which it is something we've been reporting. And Chad and Zach, you've been reporting on these airwaves since Teddy Bridgewater was traded to Denver. Um you got to go with Drew Locke. It's a lot easier to substitute Drew Locke, or excuse me, it's a lot easier to bench Drew Locke after already being named the starter and transition to Teddy Bridgewater if he gets hurt or if he's not playing well. Some people are predicting already that could happen by Baltimore. I absolutely hate that because you're on one hand, you're anointing Drew Locke as the starter, and on the other hand, you're forecasting him to get benched. That makes no sense. Uh, Drew Locke's upside is definitely there, and I just think Teddy, man, he's... His steady Teddy's just here. Drew Locke's taking off. He's going up. He's going down. I'd rather have that guy that's going up and down than the guy that's just slowly going downhill. All right, brother. Well, thank you for the time, making time for us. We will hopefully get you on the show again tomorrow night. I'll be here. Um, last practice of training camp open to the public is tomorrow, Thursday, August 19th. And, Luke, we've had many questions from fans. This is about the last thing, just a quick confirmation here, and we'll cut you loose. Please. The big MHH meet and greet, September 26th, the big old tent we're going to have out there in front of him, Powerfield at Mile High. Luke Patterson, will you be there? You're damn right I'll be there. Is water wet? I mean, of course I will be there. Football is back in the Mile High City. Football is back in Broncos country. And one of the coolest things, Chad, Zach, that I get to do out there at training camp, I get to talk to our, our family. I get to talk to our crew our people in my high huddle. I know I can't send selfies with everybody uh, meeting at camp to you, Chad. Your phone would just go crazy. But MHH is out there, guys. It is absolutely cool to see our hats, our shirts. It's cool to hear guys telling their kids, oh, hey, you know, these folks, I listen to them every night. They have a podcast every single night. There's no syndicate. There's no syndicate radio here. You don't have to pay for our articles. There's no spin. We're not paid by the team or anything like that. And on the other hand, we're not here to just be sticks in the mud. Uh, I've been called the Drew Lock hater since, I don't know, last offseason when I said he wasn't good at football because I've been so frustrated with the losing football of the Denver Broncos. But I call it like I see it. Drew Lock played abysmal yesterday. He completely turned that around today. That shows me that he not only cares, but he's transitioning his football, his potential into production. That's what we want to hear. All right, guys, make sure you're following Luke on Twitter at Luke Patterson LP. We'll talk to you tomorrow, brother. Have a good night. All right, be good, fellas.
All right, brother. Thanks, we'll talk Luke. To you later. All right, there he goes, Luke Patterson. <clears throat> our boots on the ground. Zach, there's a lot to react to in our conversation here with Luke and more in terms of what happened today. But I want to catch up on some of our excellent, very patient Super Chat superstars. Starting with Cody Potter. What's good, Cody? It's great to see you, brother. Thank you for the support, as always. He says, hey, guys, do you think the game goes like last week? Or does Teddy get uh, 1H and lock 2H? Also, did you hear Mark Schlereth, I assume, say Teddy should start week one on the herd? I didn't hear that. And I'm not sure what the H means. Is that one quarter? First half, second half. Oh, first half. Hello. See, I need my syntax guy every day. I got you. Uh, your thoughts, Zach, for Cody. Do you think the game goes like last week? Does Teddy? Yeah, Teddy's going to get, I think, you know, he has to be fair about it. So I think, you know, roughly a half, uh, you know, maybe a quarter and a half or so, maybe the, the full two quarters. It's depending how they're treating this game. If they're using the finale, the last preseason game is kind of just a backup bowl and a, a kind of a, a way to f- figure out the younger players, then maybe they'll get just a half or a little less than a half. But even Vic Fangio said before last week, you can't really script it ahead of time. It's, it's You can't determine game flow. You can't predict how things are going to shake out, how drives are going to be constructed. But the way Fangio has devised this from day one is that he's giving Teddy Bridgewater a fair chance to rebut what Drew Locke did against Minnesota, and he has to at least either match that or exceed it, in my opinion, to remain in this competition. Anthony Bomer, what's going on? Rocking his Let Him Hate shirt with aplomb and authority. Double A, we'll call you Triple A. Aplomb, authority, Anthony Bomer, what's good, dude? He says, can't wait to see if I've been making a fool of myself or not by saying all offseason that Drew Locke's my quarterback. We should know by Monday. Zach, there's a very good chance that we'll know by Monday, especially after Vic Fangio said, um, uh, what was it, Monday? It might have been Tuesday that, uh, hey, is it possible you could name a quarterback after the Seattle game? He said, it's possible. And then today, well, how close are you to a decision? He said, damn close. You brought that up at the top of the show. It really feels like there will be a resolution on that front. And I'm, you know, listen, it feels like the momentum is on Drew's side. Now, if he goes into Seattle and craps the bed, pardon my my language here, but if that's what happens, then all bets are off. And it might provide if Fangio, like Luke's gut is telling him, if he's inclined to throw in with Teddy, that gives him the justification to do so with the straight face to George Payton and the entire locker room. Real quick, Tuzak, Chase Wellner, good to see you, bro. Longtime superstar. Uh, do you think it's possible that either Jewel or Johnson end up a surprise cut like Todd Davis? Uh, you know, uh, to answer the first question, um, it does feel like the momentum is on Drew Locke's side. And, and that's my view of, of Vic Fangio's, uh, his words there, my interpretation, is that he's looking for confirmation from one quarterback, either that Bridgewater can match it and maybe he can buy himself some more time, or that Locke can at least show most of what he did against Minnesota, and that would just say, okay, this is the new and improved Drew Locke, the consistent guy. I can rest my head at night easier knowing that through two weeks of preseason he looks a little better. Um, so I think... I had a tweet out earlier today. I said, if I'm Vic Fangio, I would call this competition by Monday at the latest. And again, use the upcoming week to get the first stringers practice reps and maybe some snaps in the finale. In terms of Jeweler Johnson, I think Fangio loves both veterans. And I'm not there on Sternod yet. I, you know, he had one good preseason game. He's looked good in training camp. But uh, he has to prove he has to, you know, he'd stay healthy as well and be productive. Baron Browning's not ready yet. For the time being, I think Jewel and Johnson are entrenched. That can change in midseason. That can change by the end of the season. But going into the season, I think they're very, very much safe. I am inclined to agree with you 100% with the one caveat being 
Josie Jewell, the longer he was out, the more he risked that becoming a true issue. But he's back. So I don't think it's an issue, Chase. And uh, time will tell. Uh, Pugsy on Twitter, want to shout out our Twitter audience who listens every single stream as well. He says, I think Drew has, has won the competition for weeks now. Teddy has way more interceptions as the quote-unquote safe quarterback. Touche. Yeah, there is, uh, there is an irony and a dichotomy there. Um, all right, real quick, Zach, good news to everybody. In the event that the chat jumps a super, guess what? YouTube got their act together. We got our back end back. So not only can we go back and grab any supers we might have missed, but our traditional nightly tweets shouting out our Super Chat superstars and Facebook super supporters will be returning uh, in full force this evening. Uh, Zach, real quick, we got to uh, – Oh, come on now, George. We got to uh, say thank you to a very, very generous Super Chat superstar, Casey. Uh, oh, that's the wrong one. Hold on. Wrong YouTube. Stand by. Casey Nickel, who the last time, Zach, he was on with us. Another, it was very generous Super Chat. Here he is again. Hopefully it's still there. There it is. Casey Nickel, thank oh, you, my friend. You. Really appreciate that generosity. It's keeping the lights on. No lie. Thank you. He says, I'm curious on the relationship that Locke has with Jerry Judy versus Cortland Sutton. To me, Sutton is Locke's guy, and Judy seems to bring a negative vibe to his relationship with Locke. I'm not sure where you're getting that, Casey, but uh, wide receiver one, Sutton, wide receiver two, Hamler, wide receiver three, Timmy P, Trey Judy, or am I completely mistaking Judy's vibe? Wow, this took a turn. I'm not sure. I (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. I'm thinking as I'm reading it, right? And I think the only thing you could really interpret as negative between Judy and Locke was – that comment he made at some point in December after one of his terrible drop games or something, right? And he kind of threw both the offensive coordinator and the quarterback under the bus a little bit. Other than that, the only thing I could say is it really seems like Judy and, and uh, Teddy have hit it off. Yes. So there's a bond there. Yes. So to answer the question, in my opinion, yes, I think Sutton is more of a lock guy. and But it right. remains to be seen whether Judy's really more of a Teddy guy up to this point. Yeah, we actually broke this down, if you remember, like a month and a half or so ago. We kind of named the receivers that were that were better fits with uh, either Locke or Bridgewater. But, you know, we, we put Hamler in that category with Teddy because he was looking good in OTAs and to start training camp. And then look what happens in the preseason. 80-yard bomb on the arm of not Teddy Bridgewater, but one Drew Locke. So I don't, you know, no, not trade Jerry Judy. I think for sure what Chad said, he was spot on there in that there's more chemistry with Jerry Judy and Teddy Bridgewater. That happens naturally. It can't, it can't be forced. But in the limited action we saw last week, Locke hit Judy for that impressive throw. Judy had some yards after the catch. So no matter, it, it doesn't really matter who's under center when you have these playmakers. If you get them the ball, good things will happen. Most definitely. Thank you again, Casey. It means a lot. And Talk about gratitude and thanks. Wow. We owe, we owe a lot to Michaela, Thank you, Michaela. for her uh, support, generosity, passion, the conversation that she brings to the chat and to these live streams every single day. We're seriously, we can't wait to meet you. It's going to be so fun in person, September 26th, big old MHH tent blue logo is going to be on the tent. You're going to, you, you won't miss it, but we're looking forward to seeing you there, Michaela. And seriously, thank you, my friend. She says, what do you guys think about the Patrick Sertan injury? Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Hashtag let them hate. Zach, you had the report for our publication today. Drop some knowledge. I did, yeah. If uh, anyone out there after the podcast, they can go to mileadult.com and read that. He has, according to Vic Fangio, slight lower leg irritation. 
Now, I'm not a medical doctor. I don't really know what that means per se. I don't know if that's a laceration. I don't know if it's tightness. I don't know what it is. He was performing in individual drills yesterday, and then Vic Fangio made the executive call. Uh, He talked to the head trainer and said, get him out. And it was just as a matter of precaution, out of abundance of caution. They want to be safer than sorry, and as they should. I mean, Sertan really has nothing to prove. They got him some action last week. He had a pick six. He did not practice at all today, though. And Vic Fangio kind of confirmed the injury and said, uh, it's, it's, it's minor. It's annoying, but minor. It shouldn't be anything going forward. Uh, I wouldn't look for Sertan to play on Saturday against the Seahawks. I don't know why they would risk that going forward. Uh, but I think, you know, obviously no issues at all, no danger for week one against New York. All right, real quick here. I want to come back over again, Michaela. Thank you, my friend. Um, let me stop and then reshare the screen here to shout out another superstar. And then we're going to check on Facebook. Roz Beans, 51, a newer name on Super Chat. So welcome. Thank you for that support, my friend. Stick around. Make sure you connect with us on Twitter. You can see our Twitter handles on screen right now. Uh, and we want to keep the conversation going with you there. And we like to shout our superstars out after each show. He says, is Pat Shermer integrating more pre-snap motions into the offense? Because I think it really helps to get a read on the defense pre-snap. Hashtag go Broncos. Zach, that is one of the trusty uh, tricks or tools in the toolkit for OCs and uh, quarterbacks to kind of force the, the defense to sh- reveal what kind of coverage it's in. Um, but we've only really had one game to truly know that. And in all honesty, it was definitely encouraging to see some of the tactical design here from Pat Shermer. It seemed like a step forward, lots of play action. It felt more like when Drew was in, as an example, the plays were schemed to his strengths, which didn't always feel that way last year. As to pre-snap motion, I don't recall seeing a lot of that in Minnesota, but you tell me. Well, I also said going into the game, don't be surprised if it's very vanilla, the game plan. He's not going to show all his cards, and he's going to hide that for the regular season. He actually didn't. He actually had a game plan. He attacked the Vikings' weakness. He saw that K.J. Hamler was torching and dusting Minnesota secondary in practice, and two days later, he drew up a play where K.J. Hamler torched and dusted Minnesota secondary. So he's remembering that, Chad. He's growing up in front of our eyes. He's coming into this year in 2021, the modern pass first forward vertical football we saw motion we saw running back screens honestly the game was so refreshing and there's so many good things to talk about at the top of the list if not for drew lock it was pat Shermer. i can't believe i'm saying it but i give him a lot of credit for that game and i pray to god it's a sign of things to come going forward keep your fingers crossed that it's a harbinger all right uh shout out to tonight this is for today's stream this evening right now top star senders travis tarbox Continuing to bolster his position in the top 10 of stars for the Vaughn giveaway. Howie as well. Thank you, guys. Randy, looking to crack back into the top 10. Claude as well. Andrew, keeping his position solid. Michael as well. Thanks, guys. Gerald Hendy, Butch Butch, Shulia, Steve Lazuski. What's good, Steve? Good to see you. And you too, Shulia. Uh, but thanks, you guys. Really appreciate you. We'll keep an eye out for any of your topics, comments, questions in the chat. Uh All right, let me see what else we've got here. There's a little bit more that we need to get to today uh, in terms of things that – and, Travis, hopefully by us addressing uh, Michaela's Super Chat, you got an answer to that. It doesn't appear to be serious PS2's injury, Zach, though 
you never know when it comes to lower legs, man. Uh, I've learned covering this particular NFL team called <laughs> your Denver Broncos. All bets are off, but it doesn't appear. I don't want to yeah. alarm anybody. It doesn't appear that's serious. No, for right now, for a couple of days, the PS2 was on the shelf where it belongs. Indeed. Uh, up north of the 49th parallel, that's Canada for you non-geography majors, comes Tom El Greco, a bona fide Super Chat superstar. Appreciate you, my brother. He says, hey, Chad, Zach, and Luke, do you guys think the emergence of Trinity Benson has opened doors to put Tim Patrick on the market for a second-round player, maybe for a pass rusher? Thanks, boys. Uh, listen up on that front. Trinity has, I mean, I don't think you could keep him off the roster up to this point. I mean, I I don't have the information right in front of me, but as the copy editor for each and every one of Luke Patterson's training camp journals, Trinity Benson was mentioned in just about every one of them, if not every one of them, and then featured as one of the key takeaways, something to talk about <clears throat> in definitely more than half of them. <clears throat> Pardon me. And game one so i think trinity's got a place <clears throat> gosh excuse me on the team i do wonder where does timmy p fall on this and you know we know that there are teams interested in him including the baltimore ravens who had a crack at him that's who he was with before he ever became a denver bronco ironically i, I wouldn't be surprised i'm just spitballing right now i wouldn't be surprised though if philadelphia made an inquiry to the to the broncos about patrick they don't have a veteran receiver on the roster and i feel like he'd be an instant starter and a good mentor for who they have. He wouldn't go, though, for like a 1v1 trade for a pass rusher, you know, like a, a fourth-string receiver and a pass rusher. It's not really apples and apples there. Uh, I think he would garner at most a second-round pick, maybe a third-round pick. I'm keeping Tim Patrick, though. I'm keeping him because there's no such thing as ha having too many weapons. He is literally perfect insurance behind Cortland Sutton. And in terms of Trinity Benson – Let's just say that you don't keep him on the roster and you choose a player like Tyree Cleveland or Deontay Spencer instead of him. How is that going over in the locker room? Not very well. This guy has won every single day of practice. He won against Minnesota. I think he's a roster lock at this point, as he should be. Shout out to Claude. Shout out to Travis. Appreciate you guys. And Andrew, hopefully you saw what we said at the top of the show. We didn't get an email from you, so make sure you're sending it to milehighhuddle at gmail dot com my friend uh all right shout out also kathy one of the great ladies in our community good to see you and a super chat superstar to boot um all right let me see here real quick i just want to make sure victor on facebook is complaining about the facebook stream but no one else is so vic i think that might be your a connection issue on your end because we're showing nothing but green check marks on our side and no one else has said anything about Facebook. So maybe you need to update the app or something like that. Um, also, shout out here, Michael. Good to see you, brother. It's just Chad Zach. Thanks for your nice comment about my light blue color shirt of the Huddle Up podcast. Hashtag football priest. Go Broncos. Yes, that will be finding its way, Michael, onto MHH Instagram. So keep an eye out for that very, very soon. We appreciate you. And we got the queen in the house. Christy is here. Uh, Tom again. Guys, I think if Teddy gets the nod to start, I think after a couple of games, Drew will take over the reins and never look back. Well, we shall see. But, you know, Drew has a chance to really slam this uh, door on Teddy. And he really, Zach, I don't think he has to press. I don't think he has to throw an 80-yard bomb over the top like he did. I think he just has to not turn it over. Exactly. And be relatively efficient. And the momentum he's already built up is probably too much 
for Vic Fangio to ignore with a straight face and maintain credibility in that locker room. Agree a thousand percent. I was going to say all he has to do is not face plant. And as long as he doesn't face plant against Seattle, I think they will go into the regular season with him as the starter. And as you know, call this a little too early rather than a little too late. Let the offense get coalescing with the other starters, like I said. And if he, you know, you can argue it's on merit as well. He looked phenomenal, Drew Locke did, against the Vikings. And if he can look even, again, most of what he looked like against Minnesota, like you said, how could you ignore that? How could you go with the guy that might be safer, but it's not as explosive? You don't put as many points on the board. I mean, it's a tough sell in the locker room. Shout out to moderator of tonight's chat. Every single night he helps out as the moderator here. Former Super Chat superstar, former and still in our hearts, of course, MHH Mount Rushmore, Dylan Von Ark's been on the show multiple times, and he's helping MHH keeping the riffraff out, keeping everybody on the straight and narrow in the chat on YouTube. He says, I agree. Talking to Booch, uh, he says, Locke is the guy for this season, but there has always been the question of whether Drew can have good games consistently. Fangio is going to use that to string the quarterback competition along. He does have a good excuse. He really does. But I think for the sake of, you know, this was something that Luke brought up, I think, in day 15. So yesterday's notebook, uh, after being there at training camp, talking to other media, talking to other people, and just seeing things up close, that perhaps some of the malaise, is to, to use the word you did, Zach, of that Tuesday practice, today they were sharper, but still might be some sort of a symptom of this team kind of lacking clarity, lacking who's the rooster, you know, who's the who's the guy leading the charge. Jake Plummer talked about this when I uh, interviewed him, I don't know, two, three weeks back about his CFL movie they're trying to get made, that, you know, when he was the guy, or when he was just, let's just say when he was in the league, right, he believed he should have been, should be the starter no matter what team he was on. And when with that kind of confidence and knowledge and all that – he would go to the guys and he would say like, he would check their temperature. Like he would rally them. Hey guys, I'm the guy I'm going to lead you guys. We're going to go to the promised land. Are you with me? You know, it wasn't this kind of passive, Hey, let's hope everyone falls in line. Like he would straight up go campaign with dudes and win their support. Right. And I don't necessarily think drew has to do that, but not having that clear guy that, that the team has given the mantle to, so to speak, it might be part of why it seems a little kind of slapdash lately. <laughs> I like the PG version of that word. It could very well be the case. You know, the quarterback is like the, the nervous system of the locker room. They all revolve around the quarterback, his energy, they feed off him, his leadership, his play, and so on and so forth. It also could be a Vic Fangio problem because it seems like he said this two years in a row now, complaining about lethargy or training camp intensity. I think, again, I mentioned this a week ago or so, he's the old-school grizzled ball coach that lived for two-a-days and the hard-nosed Oklahoma drills in the NFL. And once they eliminated those, that was a detriment to his coaching style. So this is a little grumpy old man on Vic Fangio's part, too. All right, let's grab this one from Travis. One of our great supporters, he says, do you guys think we'll keep Royce Freeman now that both Mike Boone and Melvin Gordon are hurt? Zach, they signed the kid. Uh, you had the article for us yesterday. You can maybe talk a little bit about that new running back they signed after they waived injured Levante Bellamy, who is no more. We can go through the, the six roster cuts they made uh, yesterday. We probably should before we zip on out of here tonight. 
talk about that running back, what you know about him. And then my own opinion on this to answer Travis on my end here is I do think for the short term, Royce is safe. I don't think they're going to want to risk having that kind of not to say a sure thing, but a trusty guy. Is he going to blow the game wide open? No. Can you trust him to pick up a blitz on third down? Yes. Can you catch, can trust him to catch a ball out of the backfield? Yes. Can you trust him to get three and a half, four and a cloud of dust? Yes. But that's, you know, that's the limitation while these other guys who can do more than that for you potentially are healing up, licking their wounds, getting back on their feet. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Freeman was a goner for sure when Boone was healthy, and he was, you know, Boone is really impressing the coaching staff. Gordon's healthy now. He had a little bit of, of a groin issue, but he's practicing. But Mike Boone's on the shelf four to six weeks, and they don't want to run Javante Williams into the ground. He's impressive and all, but they, they want to save him for November, December playoff time to win games in the cold weather, closeout games. They don't want to, you know get the tread off the tires just yet. So I think he is a lock now. They do have the new running back who they picked up, and he is in the NFL Names Hall of Fame, in my opinion, Chad. Adrian Killens is the Broncos running back. It's very, very cool. What I do know about him in college, he was a receiver and a running back. He had one appearance last year as an undrafted free agent for Philadelphia. I think he had a negative 12-yard um, rush and a, a one-yard catch for two yards. So not much production in the NFL just yet, but he's very quick. He's very shifty. And even Vic Fangio said he used two words that jumped out to me. Watch out. You never know. Yeah, that reminds me of one of the greatest football names of all time, in my opinion, and that's Darius Kilgo, right? Denver's sixth-round pick for many years back. Was on the Super Bowl squad. Unfortunately, his uh, play on the field didn't quite back up the coolness of his name. Now you got one similar in killing. So we'll see how that shakes out uh, real quick. We're going to grab Opethium, but first we got to say thanks to the star senders, give you an update where tonight's leaderboard stands. Travis at the top, how he's giving him a run though at number two, Randy, number three. Thanks you guys. And Claude, Butch, Michael, Andrew, Andrew Lampy, Gerald, Shulier, Jason, Steve, Zebulon descending from a galaxy far, far away. Was he battling Romulans? Was he battling the Sith? Who knows? But he's here now. Good to see you guys, and thank you for the support. Zach Opethian says, when Jerry Judy had his bad game against L.A. last year, it was Locke that went up to him to comfort him. Anyone else remember that? I do. I do remember that. And Locke has never said anything but kind, positive things about Judy in the press anyway. Nothing but building him up, talking about his talent, talking about his skills. I don't think there is any kind of anything to worry about between Drew and Judy. If Judy has a preference for Teddy, which it wouldn't surprise me, Zach, it would be that the ball comes out on time. And for a guy like Judy, who's that route running stallion, right? Timing is key for those guys. Like it's wham, bam, it's snap, snap, get the ball out on point because they're running their route, you know, that they have worked their butt off to perfect, to craft. They've studied the their opponent. They've studied the defense and all that stuff. And so those guys thrive best. I mean, think about it like with Marvin Harrison back in the day for the Colts, who was a phenomenal route runner, pro- arguably the best of his era. He had the greatest timing thrower of all time hitting him. That's why they were peanut butter and jelly. That's why they were just the perfect combination during those years in Indy. And so Judy, he can appreciate a cue, whether it's a guy named Teddy Bridgewater or if it one day becomes a guy like Drew. 
that you never have to wonder if the ball's going to be there when it should. If anything, that's that's one thing I could see and why they maybe have formed the bond that they have. Well, unfortunately, you know, one of the symptoms of locked derangement syndrome is selective amnesia. So a lot of Broncos country won't remember that lock went up to Jerry Judy and comforted him. And, and being the leader he should be, that's why I don't understand, um, you, you know, the, the entire argument that Drew Locke is a bad, you know, his too much dancing, not enough leadership. I never understood that. Criticize him for a lot, not his love for the game or his leadership. Those are inarguable to me. Um I, I don't know. That's no one remembers that chat. No one, no one chooses to. And I have a, I have a test for everyone out there. This is non-rhetorical. Name me one player that came out and bad mouthed Drew Locke, either publicly or off the record. You can't name one. Jerry Judy was the closest one, and that was also a shot at Pat Shermer as well. So no one, either a coach or a player, has a bad thing to say about Drew. That's not a coincidence. Fernando, it's good to see you, my friend. Longtime Super Chat superstar representing tonight. He says, how is our interior defensive line looking? So far, so good as far as practice is concerned. Uh, Mike Purcell's back in the saddle. Shamar Steven, who was seeming to be kind of just a guy, you know, a jag type of addition, balled out in that Vikings game, had that revenge factor kind of going for him. And so far through the first two days of real practice resuming, He's kind of picked up where he left off in that game. So don't sleep on him making the roster. McTelvin Ajim, who was a star of early week, week and a half of camp, not to say he's faded, but the splash plays that everyone's writing and talking about haven't been as common from McTelvin. And then you got Shelby, Draymond, Mike Purcell as your starting trio, but we didn't get a chance to see them. So to answer the question, Fernando, of course, Deshaun Williams too, don't sleep on him. Uh, and then Marquise Spencer, the seventh round rookie, don't sleep on him either. It feels like this is a team that's got some potential on the D-line. But outside of those top three, and even including the top three, because we don't know yet how Draymond's truly going to respond to being a you know game-in, game-out starter. A lot of this is going off potentials more than Zach, say, proven production. Because even Mike Purcell, if his career ended today, knock on wood, I'm not wishing that at all, but like, he would he he'd probably be viewed as a flash in the pan, try-hard guy, journeyman, found the right time, right situation, capitalized on that in the very short term, got himself paid, then he got hurt. Then what happens? Right? Shelby's the only guy on this on this roster really with any bona fides. And even his is relatively shallow in terms of overall sample size. So there's not a lot of proven production on the D-line. But that's not necessarily, Zach, something to say, oh, you know, that we got a problem here. If anything, that shows you that this is a this is a unit that is still becoming and it has potential to really be something. But at the same time, because they're lacking those live bullet reps together and the proven production over a larger sample size, it is I can understand some misgivings because you don't know yet. You just we don't know. You know who no one misses, though, and that's Jarrell Casey. Because the Broncos, you know, they have so many pieces on the defensive line. They are so deep. 
that he's been a you know a, just a forgotten memory now. And you mentioned Deshaun Williams. He ju- his play jumped out to me against the Vikings. He was very active in the backfield. I think Draymond Jones is going to have a Pro Bowl year. Shelby is Shelby. Mike Purcell is Mike Purcell. When he's healthy, he has to stay healthy. But you know, even the Isaiah Max of the world, Shamar Steven, that was a signing I really didn't understand that George Payton made. But it, it proved dividends in the first week of the preseason. I mean, and on top of all that, you have these players performing and you have the talent and you have Bill Kalar, for my money, the best defensive line coach in the league, coaching them all up. I mean, I understand what you're saying about potential not proven. I don't think potential is the word, though. I mean, they are brimming with Pro Bowl and all pro upside. They are that good and that deep. Appreciate that reminder for everybody. Travis, keep the stars, keep the likes, keep the super chats coming, fans. We do really appreciate that. And also shout out real quick to Andrew. I'm going to read your chat here, your comment in the chat. He says, our opening game can't come soon enough. And thanks, MHH, for helping us through the craziest offseason. Ready for the QB controversy and argument to be over with. Lock, lock, we will know once and for all this season what happens. Hashtag MHH for life, Denver Broncos for life. Yeah, dude, we can't wait, dude. It's going to be fun to see you and uh, everybody else. And yes, every, every, you know, all will be known in due time. And that due time is coming very, very soon here, my friend. Zach, real quick, here's what went down on Tuesday as far as who the Broncos cut. They had to get down to 85, right? Get down from 90 to 85. And so they made six roster moves, uh, waves, because they also signed a guy. So, you know, they didn't go for to 84. But here's who they cut loose. Rogesterman Ferris, the corner, who was signed, you know, a few days into camp and honestly looked good initially, had a couple of picks in yeah. a three-practice span. For whatever reason, though, Vic Fangio wasn't feeling it. Cut bait. The recent addition, defensive lineman Lorenzo Neal Jr., son of the former All-Pro fullback, who I thought looked pretty decent in that Vikings game. They cut him. Uh, linebacker Peter Columbay, who I mistook upon my, you know, when I was watching the game on the actual live broadcast Saturday night, I was dealing with trouble trying to troubleshoot as well this uh, AC unit in my new studio. And so I was a little bit distracted and I saw the dreads and I thought, oh, they got Alexander Johnson out there. Nope, it was Pete Columbay, cut him. Uh, and also Deion Sizer, who's been with the Broncos for a couple years now, a former undrafted rookie, they let him go. And the wideout, Devontrez Dukes, waved injured. And probably the one fans will recognize the most and had a little bit of hype behind him, <clears throat> pardon me, last summer. Uh, Levante Bellamy, the former undrafted rookie running back who joined the team as a college free agent last year. Uh, and then, of course, in his place, they signed Adrian Killen. So, Zach, that's a good roundup of what happened there as far as the cuts. And then next week, Broncos got to trim down even further. So this shows you why... Each and every preseason game and every single training camp practice is of the utmost importance. Yeah, they have to get down to 80 and then by 53, I think by August 31st. I was really surprised by the Ferris Ferris release. I mean, if, I didn't think he was going to make the roster, but to keep guys like Parnell Motley ahead of him and uh, Duke Dawson over him. I mean, Ferris came in in the first two practices. Is he had two interceptions. I thought that was a pretty good signing. But the one common theme there, Chad, is they cut a player from their deepest positions, defensive line, receiver. I mean, you know, that's pretty much the uh, where they can make the moves right now. It's trimming the, the fattiest fat on the roster. It gets tougher now as they go on. Lord Deer, another one of our great listeners up in Canada, proving Broncos country is not a geographic location, gang. It is a state of being. It's wherever you are. And Lord Deer, he's up there north of the 49th parallel. 
He says, at the end of the day, I would have to believe we are about to turn the corner around here and are in for some fun uh, for a few years. Ten wins, next five years. Man, from your lips to the football God's ears. In all honesty, Lord dear, we hope that's how it shakes out. It does feel a little bit different this time. But Zach and I have said multiple times on this podcast, this time around, we're not going to get caught up in that. Last year, I, in all frankness and honesty, your football priest probably did get a little swept up in the hype, right? The way that 2019 season ended, four and one, you know, big national guys talking, Drew Locke and a pop and all this. Of course, we couldn't have foreseen either, no, just like no one uh, was able to foresee a, a uh, pandemic, the likes of which the world had not seen in over 100 years hitting that changed and altered the equation. But nevertheless, Zach, we are optimistic, but we're not getting out over our skis. You know, you touch the hot stove and you get burned and you don't touch it again. And you know what? My hand is still blistered from touching that stove last year. I want to see them do it against the Giants. I want to see them do it again against the Jaguars. And then in person, in, in front of all of our listeners, Chad, when, when we're there, I want to see them do it again against the Jets. I want this team to prove they can be as good as we think they can be. It starts with the coaching. It starts with the quarterbacking because everyone else on this team, the supporting cast, the weaponry, the defensive talent that they're stacking, they can win 10 games on their own. It's how far they can go with the other two components, coaching, quarterbacking, or how much they're going to be held back by those two components. Howie says, and thank you for the stars, Howie. Do you guys agree that Trinity Benson will, at the very least, take Deontay Spencer's place on the roster, allowing the team to keep another wide out, as in Tim Patrick? Guys, Tim Patrick's spot on the roster is guaranteed unless he's traded. Tim Patrick is not getting cut. Even if he hadn't have produced like he did last year in relief of the injured Cortland Sutton, they RFA tendered him, which guarantees him uh, this year, Zach, it was either 3.2 or 3.3 million. He's going nowhere unless he's traded. So the first half of what you're saying there, Howie, is true. I do agree. If there's anyone that Benson's rise has come at the expense of, it is Deontay Spencer. And probably right next to him is Tyree Cleveland. So if I'm looking at the depth chart real quick, Zach, Right now, like if the if the Broncos were cutting down and they were going to give you the full regular season depth chart tomorrow, I would speculate it would be Sutton, Judy, Hamler, uh, Timmy P, Benson, and then it's take your pick if they end up keeping six because <clears throat> Benson, they have traditionally kept six under Vic Fangio with Spencer bringing up the rear there. But I'm not sure they will this year just because Benson can – has shown he can do the punt and kick return thing. Well, more the kick return thing remains to be seen just how trusty he is as a punt returner. But yeah, man, if anyone's on the losing end of Benson's rise, it's definitely Deontay Spencer. I was going to say another guy that I would keep off the roster, and this might seem sacrilegious to Broncos country after last season, but that's Kendall Hinton. And he's had a great training camp as well. Though, I, you know, if they need a six, though, and they have Benson on there, I'm taking Kendall Hinton over Deontay Spencer. I just really can't stand guys that play an offensive position like running back or receiver and contribute nothing to offense. It's all the special teams. They can cross-train a guy like Benson who's faster and I think more quick-twitch quick twitchy, if that's a word, and just uh, shiftier in the open field than a Deontay Spencer, who, by the way, I hate to break this news, he's not Dante Hall in his prime. He is definitely replaceable, and I'm keeping Benson over Spencer all day, every day. All right, guys, we're at 58 minutes. We have to rapid fire. There's three or four supers that we haven't got yet. We'll grab Zebulon, those supers, and then we got a dip. He says, does Zebulon, how many pro bowlers are on defense this year? Hopefully it turns out better than last year's prediction. 
I don't even remember what our prediction was on that last year, Zach, but uh, Von Miller, Bradley, I'm going to tell you who has the, you know, who, who are the players for that? Von Miller, Justin Simmons, Bradley Chubb, maybe Shelby if he can get some sacks, maybe Draymond if he can get some sacks. D linemen don't get Pro Bowl unless they're sack guys, right? Um, pick a corner, including Patrick Sertan, probably Sertan Fuller. That would be the ones who I would have relative yeah. confidence saying, don't sleep on them, earn a Pro Bowl nod. But guys who could also threaten Kareem, um, you, we'll see if uh, Ronald Darby's. Uh, can turn it around under the tutelage of secondary expert Ed Donatel. We'll see. Yeah, you, I mean, you pretty much named everyone, but I do think that Pro Bowler, uh, Pro Bowler, the Pro Bowl does still include nose tackle. So I'll throw Mike Purcell in there as well if he can stay healthy. I mean, according to Pro Football Focus in 2019, he was the highest graded player against the run in the entire NFL. So if there's some utility to that, for sure in the league. But I think Chad named the realistic options, starting with Von Miller, Simmons, and, and Bradley Chubb. All right, I am. Instead of doing it the, through the back end of YouTube, I'm going to actually look at the stream itself so that we can show everybody's uh, profile pick here before we get on out of here as we grab these last three supers or so. Uh, starting with Andrew Morrow. Thank you, Andrew. Sign Tim Tebow. He can be a backup to Locke and Fant. Two birds, nope. one stone. Nope. No way. Rim shot. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. He's he Obviously, <laughs> he's joking here, but uh, yeah, Tim... Tim's uh, time in the NFL is officially. No, I'm talking to Tim. It's over. It's over, dog. Move on. Uh, Ed Keating, good to see you, brother. Rocking his let him hate shirt. Locke will be the starter. Thanks, Chad and Zach. Locke 2021, let him hate Denver Broncos for life and state of being. That's some confidence for you there, gang, from uh, Ed Keating. Appreciate you, Ed. As always, you are the man. All right, I'm just blasting through this because we don't want to leave anybody out in the cold, and then we'll also see – um, the final tally for today on Facebook, Steve Scani on Super Chat. Thank you for that, my friend. That's a name, Zach. We do not recognize. Scony, Scani, Scani. Is that a picture of a scone? I, it looks like a doggy. Oh, <laughs> actually, I can't tell because I have it blown up so big that it's pixelated. One of us is really wrong, though. So whatever it is, <laughs> yeah, don't know. But he says, imagine Judy's route with Peyton Manning. <laughs> I think it is a dog. I don't have to imagine it. You know why? Because Jerry Judy's drops and his attitude, at least from last season, would have infuriated Peyton Manning so much he wouldn't have even been on the field. So it, it would be exciting to think about what he could do with a player like that. But we saw that happen already with Marvin Harrison. That was always Judy's like top NFL comp was Marvin Harrison, minus the off-the-field car wash incidents. Right, which often gets swept under the rug when his name comes up. Um but that's neither here nor there. All right, before we say goodnight to everybody and do the final tally on Facebook, I think this is a good question to answer real quick from Michael on Facebook. He wants to know, hey, guys, I live in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Quick question. I've noticed preseason games have been blacked out in my area. What's the best way to get these games in the future? Uh, NFL uh, ST or Game Pass? Appreciate any help, guys. Zach, there's you can what I found is talking to people is Game Pass allows you to watch preseason games live, but you have to input your provider's information. So if it's YouTube TV or Dish Network or Comcast or whatever, if you don't have any of those accounts, you can't watch live. 
And then once you input that information from what I'm told, Zach, if you are out of market or if you're in a market where that game is blacked out, they still won't let you see it. So live, it's probably searching around for streams, you know? Um, yeah. I, other than that, Zach, you know, what I would say is, I know that we probably shouldn't give specific website names out there. Zach is very savvy at finding those streams for what it's worth, but all we can tell what what's the best thing you can tell a guy like Michael on how to find those without spilling the beans completely, like get him, get his, him as close to it as possible. Yeah. I would say Michael look in the comment section right now, Albert and Clee Torres dropped a couple in there. Uh, so did Joey. I'm not going to name them just because I don't want to go there, but the, if you Google, you'll find your way around. I would just, uh, Type in for for example, type in Broncos Seahawks live, you know, live stream online, something like that, and keep going through a, a few pages. You can also sign up for Game Pass, and if it, if it, there's a free trial, what you can do is watch it for this week and then just cancel right after the game. I believe though, for this game for out of towners chat, it's televised again live NFL Network Saturday night. So there you go. Something to bear in mind. All right, guys. Last thing here we're going to shout out and update the leaderboard for tonight's stream on facebook howie finishes number one tonight he's really closing the gap travis right behind him randy those are the three over a thousand today on stars michael right behind him right behind him claude butch butch andrew baker andrew lampy jason metz thanks man gerald hendy shulier albert steve lazuski zebulon michael j bailey brian bowman Shout out and much love and respect to each and every one of you. And even though you're on Facebook, guys, reminder, we shout out our Facebook superstar senders and our YouTube uh, superstars on Twitter after each show. That is a tradition. So if you're on Twitter, make sure you're connected with us and let us know who you are. Because oftentimes, you know, there's people who have a handle on Facebook, but their Twitter handle is different, vice versa with YouTube. So you got to do one of these and make sure in our mentions, we know who you are. We will follow you back if you are a superstar, guaranteed. And we will shout you out. So make sure you guys do that. Follow myself at Chad and Jensen, Zach at Kelberman NFL. And with that, Zach, shout out to all the superstars. Appreciate your, your support. Also the supporters on Facebook and everyone within the sound of our voice. Love and appreciate each and every one of you guys for giving us the opportunity to do what we do. And we'll see you tomorrow night for the Mile High Mailbag. That's right, guys. You can be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate you. This was the Huddle Up Podcast, guys. We're back tomorrow night, but in the meantime, you can follow the pod on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account for all your Broncos news, analysis, rumors, film breakdowns, and so much more at Mile High Huddle. Like Chad mentioned, you can follow him on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself on Twitter at Kelberman NFL. If you haven't already, guys, go to HuddleUpPod.com and get your swag on. You can get yourself a hat like Chad's wearing, a hat like I'm wearing, shirts, mugs, hoodies. There's everything and anything for you. We appreciate all your patronage on that website. Also, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Big blue button. Become a supporter. Three exclusive shows right now. Kelberman's Corner, Broncos Book Club, Trickle Zone. More on the way. I promise you guys it's worth it. Uh, and we appreciate all you tuning in each and every week. And facebook.com slash Pod. Like the page and follow that page. But if you can't do any of those things, we totally respect and appreciate you still. As always, we ask you to do three things that take five seconds. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It helps us grow and reach new Broncos fans just like you and bring them into the huddle. We are out for tomorrow. To- 
for tonight until tomorrow night, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern, Mile High Mailbag Time. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.